Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. From Postcard from the Past and Wardle Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the podcast where my guests share with me, with you, with each other, the picture postcards that they've received or bought, the cards they couldn't bear to part with, or the cards that slipped out of a book as they lifted it from the shelf. And together, we try to understand what it is in the images, messages, memories and meanings that give them such power. I'm Tom Jackson, and today I'm delighted to say my guests are novelists Michael Doncor and theatre critic Fiona Mountford. Fiona and Michael, hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. Now, Michael Donko is a rising star in the literary world. I'm sure he won't mind me saying. Let's grab a mouse, thank you. (laughs) His debut novel, Hold, is a moving, funny story set in a Ghanaian-British household, which explores that cultural meeting place. But it's the lives and emotional life of the two central characters, teenage girls with a shared heritage, but from totally different worlds, uh, who both bear a burden of secrets that pulls you into life at Spencer Road, Herne Hill. Michael was chosen as one of the Observer's best debut novelists of 2018. Uh, a new face for fiction, actually. So he's brought his face with him today. <laughs> um, and Michael comes to us today with a postmark, um, a slightly blurry postmark, but it certainly starts SW, yeah, South West London. And Michael, do you still send postcards? Shamefully, no. I know. It's an awful thing to admit. I suppose the place that postcards occupy my life now is very tightly bound up with reading. So they are my bookmarks, really. So that's kind of how I kind of encounter them and use them. And obviously they're on my fridge, kind of decorating that bland and boring space and making it slightly more appealing. We're definitely going to have a later programme, I think, about uh, how to decorate a, a fridge correctly with postcards. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fine art. It's a subtext, sub, 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 subdivision of what we do here, I think. Yeah, you um, don't at, want the curly edges. Curly mm, edges are a real bane of post, postcard displays, aren't they? I've also heard that uh, I think a well-known expensive brand of fridge is non-magnetic, so you can't. Uh, you'd have you to need blue tack. Oh, yeah, I'm with That's great. That's not right. No. Oh, no. I'm quite I like the magnets. I do like oh, the magnets. I like a bit of blue tack. <laughs> I do. White a conflict tack. already. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're disagreeing over the important <laughs> issues of the day. Hold it back. Hold it back. <laughs> now, uh, also with us is Fiona Mountford. Now, she started her career at the Daily Telegraph. She also worked at Time Out, and she has been theatre critic for the Evening Standard for 16 years. She's seen a lot of plays. I have. Um, and when she's not sitting on tip-up seats, making extensive and possibly illegible notes in the dark, um, or carrying out platform interviews at the National Theatre, um, she loves film award ceremonies and um, has a quiet passion for E.M. Forster and, oddly, Gracie Fields. I do. <laughs> well, we'll try and sing as we go. Oh. <laughs> Fiona comes to us today with an IG9... I do. Postmark, which do. is Epping Forest, is Epping that right? Epping Forest, that's right, yes. yes. Fiona, when did you last send a postcard? I send, every holiday I send two postcards. So I last sent two postcards from my holiday in Lisbon in September. And every holiday I send a postcard to my mum and to my old school classics teacher, Bob, of whom more later. Very good. And that's just a, a tradition that's remained with those people? I've all, Our family have always been great postcard senders, great postcard receivers. And I think 
they got to a point when it wasn't the dumb thing to take your address book on holiday. I always did. We always did. And then at a certain point, I don't know how many years ago, you didn't. And I've realised I didn't have anyone's address. Mm. And it took me possibly longer than it should have done to realise I could also actually write people's address in the notebook I always have in my handbag. So I've written Bob's address there, which is why he gets lots of postcards. And I think also... The postcard purveyors of the world took a long time to cotton on to the fact they needed to make it easier for people because you always had to go to a post office to buy stamps, which was an almighty faff. And now, if you buy a postcard, you can almost certainly buy a stamp in the same place. So I feel I'm on a comeback with postcards. <laughs> this is yes. very, I, I like your very practical approach to this. Some, some people see that postcards are going to fall out of fashion. or No, it's practicality with you. I like that. It absolutely... It all revolves... My life basically revolves around notebooks. <laughs> Excellent. I, I, I suspect Michael's maybe similar. I can empathise, totally. Good notebook. Well, before we discover the cards that Fiona and Michael have brought along, um, I'll give you a quick one of mine. Um, this is, of course, a postcard from the past uh, style card, like I do on Twitter, at Past Postcard. An old card um, from which I'm selecting just a part of the message. So this first one is a rather striking image. Wow. Of, um, I think there's no question those girls are Welsh. No. Um, they are impressive hats. Amazing skirts as well, aren't they? Yeah, so they're, they're wearing a... And sort of an under under frill of the hat as well. Yeah, well, there's no no lace spared, I think. No, I know. Look the at two that. Two girls with Welsh outfits with the hats and the, and the lacy bits and the red uh, tops sitting very relaxed on a, on a sort of dry stone wall that's collapsed, is it? Or a rocky outcrop. Hold it up a little bit. Yeah. Oh no. Is it? I. It could have collapsed a bit. I don't I think know. It's a collapsed wall. Perhaps they knocked it over. I'm not they sure. Might, maybe they sort <laughs> of they don't got, look the type. They butted <laughs> into it with their hats by mistake. So Those hats could move mountains. Uh, yeah. Well, they're certainly beside a mountain. Um, and this is from. I never really know how to say this word. Pluelli, Pueli, seaside resort in in, in Wales. Um, here's here's the message. It was sent in 1980. Six, I think. It's slightly hard to read. Um, Philip going in disco comp competition. Jane and I are going in the talent. Stephen just making a nuisance of himself. <laughs> I wonder if they're going in the talent in those costumes. Maybe. <laughs> those hats maybe. are talent. Well, I want to know more about Stephen. What's yeah, he done to be yeah. described so horribly? Making a nuisance of himself. Yes, maybe he's mocking the hat. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably classic little brother stuff. I think, you know. Um, uh, I'll do another quick one for you. This is uh, another card. This is from Seven Sisters, Sussex. So, uh, oh, yes. You know, this is this is not far from the... Um, it's, it's, it's the South Coast. It's, it's some white cliffs. Mm. Indeed. Timely for these um, strange times in Europe that we're going Indeed. through. And this card is... Hard to read the date, but it's it's from the 60s. It's got the old threepenny stamp on, oh, so it's not pre-decimal. Um, and the message of this that I've selected um, did make me stop in my tracks. Today, we went to the market and saw a pig being electrocuted. Blimey. Oh, how horrible. It's <laughs> a date south coast of England. What's and, going um, on? Yeah. It's barbaric. What did you do in your holidays? I love that as a sort of principal thing that you want to share with someone about your holiday time. I know. Sort of being I mean, I, I guess it's it, noteworthy, yeah, isn't it? It is. You would it's really definitely. Is. But that's, uh, wow, that's extreme. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you see, we don't have fun like that anymore. No, God damn it. <laughs> no, that's not the sort of thing I Such ever write on one times. of my postcards, I have to say. <laughs> Well, to let you know at home, images of all the cards we discussed today, um, mine and my guests, uh, are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can investigate for yourself and see that we're not making it up. <laughs> uh, now, Fiona and Michael, you've been kind enough to come along to the studio today with postcards of your own. Michael, let's start with you. Okay. What's the first card you've got for us? Okay, so the first postcard I've got is this rather battered and dishevelled looking thing. Uh, with Pompeii Eros very proudly written in the top right-hand corner. And then it's decorated with a series of four images of uh, rather outlandish fallacies from the classical world. Uh, Good God. <laughs> I know, I said the word fallacies. Suddenly we're again. into a whole new area. <laughs> Um, and it's incredibly wrinkled, as I said, and quite... You're talking about the card. Unloved then. Looking. I'm talking about the card there. <laughs> Very good. Um, and yeah, I'm not quite sure whether it arrived to me with all of these wrinkles or whether that's just kind of what time has done to it. Because so I did, found this hidden away. It? So it was sent to me in 2005. Um, and 
in 2005, I was at university. I was in my final year um, at Oxford. And this postcard was sent to me by two of my friends, Sophie and Andy, who were also at university with me, but they just embarked on their year abroad. Um, So they were studying... So Sophie was studying Italian and history. And... And he was studying French. Um, a nice thing to do. Yes, I know. I had, they had a lovely time of it, by the sounds of things. And so, what? What? Th- this came to you. What do they say? What do they? What was their message to you? So, there's so much about this postcard that I like and that intrigued me. Firstly, uh, the handwriting is abysmal. <laughs> so it took me about 45 minutes to kind of unpick some of the strange curlicues and scribblings here, but I got through it in the end. Uh, so it looks kind of mad and anarchic, which is very kind of exciting. Um, and secondly, it's a, a postcard with two voices in it. So Sophie's ah. written the kind of top half or maybe two thirds. And then Andy's sort of squeezed in his little section kind of around Sophie's mad um, scribbling. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. Um, and I, I sort of like the way that they kind of capture where they are very beautifully. So Sophie tells me in this that she's uh, trying to tell Andy something about the classical world, but she doesn't really th- feel like she has the authority to do that. And they've just bought themselves matching Benetton jumpers, which apparently <laughs> I would be very impressed with. I don't think I ever got to see them, but uh, that's what Benetton jumpers are students. They were doing all right. <laughs> Spending all of their loans what, on frivolous things. I remember the Oxfam shops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Andy has sort of got a little comment here about how in the cafe that they're sitting in writing this postcard, a transvestite selling ciggies has just swanned through. Uh, so there's all sorts of colourful little yeah, details Yeah, you're like catching, that. capturing their moments. Yes, yeah. I like cards where, where people describe what's happening as they're writing them. Yeah. Because yes. it's, it's totally immediate, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a postcard of a, of a moment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a little kind of snapshot of a, of a kind of experience that they're having and it makes you kind of feel part of the wonderful, weird thing that they're enjoying. Fiona, you're a classicist. You you must have a large collection of cards like this. Well, yes. Well, I'm going to talk about the the classical world in a bit, but um, these are not the Sopompe Eros, the sort of raunchy card. I I haven't had the pleasure of receiving a card like this. So (laughs) I have slightly more sedate postcards from the classical world. But this is the stuff. Is this the stuff that you have to sort of pay the guard to go and see? In, in, in there are various sort of X-rated stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pompeii. I think there are, have you been to Pompeii? I haven't. No, I haven't. Well, I recommend a trip, but um, I don't know if you get to see this stuff. It's very funny because I'm still trying to remember how embarrassed I must have felt having to go down to this little kind of post box <laughs> at university. Was it in the pigeonhole? Collect- it was in my pigeonhole. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if there was a kind of porter that had looked at this and had a bit of a chuckle to himself <laughs> so he put it in my pigeonhole. Yes. Quite because, possibly. And, and, you know, regardless of the pigeonhole, postcards are semi-public. Yes. They are. You know, even if it was, if it was sent to your home, someone gets to see yeah. that. Just sometimes in my postcard writing past, I've actually written the postcard and then put the postcard in an envelope because it seems a little too public sometimes, too, too exposing. I mean, not... You know, you just think, this message is for the person I'm sending yeah. it to, not for porters or general right, actually. post when, people. When I was sort of looking through my small archive of postcards, there were a few that I picked out that didn't have the address on them because ah. they'd clearly been put in an envelope. Yes. And actually, interestingly, those ones tended to be about more personal exactly. subject matter. Yes, that you um, don't just want anybody to be able to to have a squiz Yeah, out. totally. But this is a bit of student scandalising, isn't it? It They're is a little fun. bit. It is a little bit. And I think it's partly about um, them telling me about the exotic, glamorous time that they're having away out on the continent whilst I was slaving away, kind of getting You're ready for finals. <laughs> exactly, writing essay 4 million of 4 million and 82. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sort of thinking about that, it, it was a time when these sorts of postcards and the fact that some of my friends were out in the world doing exciting things was quite galling for me in some <laughs> ways because I thought, oh gosh, well, why can't I go out and enjoy that? But was stuff? it in some way an enticement? Do you think, well, I can do this next year? I'll just write mm-hmm. essay 4,383 and then I can go and yeah. see phalluses from the yeah. <laughs> or, or indeed whatever I would get, like to go and see. Uh, with an English degree, you don't really get the excuse to, to travel. You know, Alas, no. You know, Alas, it doesn't no. really work that way. You can't, you can't take a year out to Anglo-Saxon Britain or something. It doesn't work. Darn it, God damn it. doesn't it. work. <laughs> but I, I think it, it was quite useful, um, receiving these sorts of postcards was quite useful in expanding my sense of the world because I think when you're at university, your horizons are very limited and they are focused on your yes. essay and the kind of ridiculous drama that you're experiencing in your tiny group of friends or whatever. And the competitive and library, you know, I've been to the library for 25 <laughs> hours today. Oh, shut up. All of Seriously. that stuff. And it was very useful just to have a sort of glimpse of 
another life, another existence uh, out there. Life beyond. Oh, well, that's very good. Thank you for sharing that with us, Mike. Seeing Thanks, that postcard man. of Pompeii makes me, as you mentioned, Tom, I, I do have a classics degree and I'm a great fan of Gracie Fields. And I've only been to... <laughs> uh, to there is. Southern Italy. I went to Naples on holiday a few years ago. And I had some days in Naples and I had one day free and I thought I really should go to Pompeii and so on. So I thought, well, I'm obviously not going to do that. So I went to Capri for the day because Gracie Fields memorably had a house uh, on Capri. Well, so I, I um, yes, well, and I, I made my pilgrimage to the sort of spiritual home of Gracie Fields. So Pompeii, I still haven't been to, slightly shamingly, although having a classics degree from Cambridge, but I have seen where Gracie Fields used to live. So frankly, I've done the important stuff. <laughs> and to be honest, you've seen Michael's postcard. You've done it. I, understand I feel Michael's summed it up for me just a lot of this. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So Fiona, you've you've started to touch on your cards. What's the first card you're actually? What's your official first card for us? Well, can I give you? There's a little backstory to my official first card. So let me. I think I should fill that in. When Tom asked me if I would like to come on this and talk about postcards, postcards are very important to me, and I said I would like to. Is there any chance I can talk not about a specific card, but about the Platonic ideal of a postcard? And Tom seemed a little bit, he said, yes, you could do that. And I said, well, I'll tell you why. Because my father uh, was an export director for a food company. I'm an only child of, of, of older parents. They had me, they'd been married for a long time, 16 years, and they had me. It was a bit of a surprise. Only child of older parents. My father was an export director for a food company. So he travelled for his job. He was away about three months of the year. Not in one block, in two-week blocks, three-week blocks. He travelled all over the world, but... Above all, he went to the Middle East and to Australia. And ever since, well, since I was, I was born, my father would write me postcards, either every day or every other day on these long trips. And, and I'd, these lovely images would arrive of exotic places. And I think that completely stimulated my love of travel, the idea that the world is so big and varied and exciting. And I have two images above all from these hundreds of postcards. An image of sand, because he went to the Middle East a lot, so pictures of sand... And also pictures of koala bears, because Australia. So my father wrote me all these postcards, and I loved them. They were very important to me. And I, I saved them all. They're all in boxes. They're in biscuit tins, and they're in a storage unit under my bed. Wow. Hundreds of them. And it's always been very reassuring. They're there. And I thought, one day I'm going to do something with these postcards. And I had this idea. I might a wall of my house, I might put a collage, maybe get a professional artist to help me collage them and paste over them. But then I thought, well, either I'm going to lose the writing or the picture of these. So I'm not quite sure. But it was always an idea. I felt very comfortable with this. And then somewhat, uh, well, very unexpectedly, my father died three years ago. And so this, this big weight of postcards took on a different meaning and they're underneath my bed. And I had never had the courage to open this cupboard and start looking at the postcards. And I thought, I, I can't do that now. It will, be, it will be too much of a heft of emotion. So that's why I wanted to come and talk about the platonic ideal of a postcard. But the day Tom got in touch with me, I was thinking about postcards and thought, I'm not going to open that cupboard. So how is this going to work? For my job, I had to go to the RSC in Stratford-upon-Avon, as I often do, see Troilus and Cressida, which is a very long play, Driving home late at night, motorway closures, junction closures. So it's a long journey. I'm tired and a bit overwrought. And I couldn't come home my usual way. The usual motorway, it was shut. So I ended up coming home on the North Circular. And although it's quite near where I live, it's a way I haven't driven for a long time. And I drove past the office where my father used to work in Edmonton in North London. The road just took you there by just, chance? It's, it's literally just off the North Circular. Wow. So I was thinking about my father, thinking about these postcards and drove past his office. So I got home. It's about half past two in the morning by this point and I had a lot of coffee. <laughs> and I thought, I can't think about this because if I think about it, I will never do this. So I just opened the drawer under my bed and there were all the boxes and I thought, well, I can't look at those. And just at the front... There was about half a dozen, ten maybe postcards, just propped up, not in a box. So I just took them out and shut the door. And I thought, well, whatever's here, lovely, they're from my dad. And, sorry, that was quite a preamble to my first postcard. So the, um, those are the, the cards you grabbed in that moment yeah, are the I ones you have Yeah, I just took them out, now. and I am not making this up. If I saw it on a stage, I'd condemn it as an improbable fiction. <laughs> I'll tell you, the, uh, let me just tell you what is written 
and it's from Omar. It's for, so it's from November 1996. My father retired in December 1996. Oh, so this is November 1996. Capital letters, Oman, Wednesday. And it says, the last card may be ever from the Middle East. Oh. And I thought, well, there we go. Um, and it's... It's an image of, um, so it's the, the caption on the front says, young boys watch the National Day celebrations Oman. It's two uh, little boys in sort of traditional dress, long robes and very colourful hats. Very they look, serious faces. They look very worried. I think the National Day celebrations in Oman are obviously quite a, a heft of... And so my father had his beautiful writing in capitals. He had famously illegible handwriting, so he always had to write in capitals. And so, so the la- the idea that this is the last card of what must be hundreds from the Middle East. So that was the very first card I got out from the cupboard under the desk, under the bed, and the next card, the one next to it, was from the day before, um, from Saudi Arabia. And it, my dad did like to have a little. It's a picture of a falconer with with falcons, traditional dress, headdress, falcons on sort of parking posts for falcons. My dad did like to kind of amuse people and amuse me in these postcards. So he says. You don't see too many of these guys in downtown Jeddah nowadays. The falcons would expire in the exhaust fumes from all the Mercedes. <laughs> so together, those are somehow a very poignant snapshot of of a very key part of my life. And if those were the last cards he sent from his business trips, it just sort of shows how he just kept he kept the tradition up. Oh, absolutely! It didn't fall away. And they're addressed. I was at university. I was at Cambridge, so they're addressed to me. Uh, at my college in Cambridge. And so, yes, yeah, so one was from Tuesday, the, t- the 10th of November, one was Wednesday, or Oman, Wednesday, the 11th of November. So pretty much every day. So he was touring from country to country at that yes, time. Yes, yeah. Very so, good. Wow. So that's... So actually, by coincidence, we both cards from university days. There. Yeah, oh, there bizarre. we go. I know the idea, we've kept them and, well, yeah, it's good, isn't it? It really is. I mean, the good thing is, I say this more often than I should on this programme, but cardboard is really resilient. If you don't throw them away, they're not going to collapse. They stay there. You know, My father cards... wrote in fountain pen, so there's a slight, there's a there's a water smudge on one of them. So fountain pen, less cardboard durable fountain pen, liable to unexpected spillage. It was probably alcohol. You were a student. <laughs> the blame is yours. Oh, it's my <laughs> It could be my fault, yes. <laughs> but I also, I also quite like the way that cardboard sometimes, you know, it decays and gets a bit wrinkled. And it decays elegantly, doesn't exactly. it? Yes, exactly. Yes, it really nice. does. A, l- a bit of age on a card is, is, is nice, I think. Lifting wrinkles around the eyes. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day who, who is an expert on uh, cards from India, actually postcards from India. And he has, has a project where he digitally cleans up the pictures to, uh, to be closer to what they would have originally been. Right. And they look amazing, but I, I rather like old cards to have a bit of age. I yeah. think um, yes. to me that that's that sort of shows the history of what's happened in between. Yeah, yes, uh, right. A few stains, a few a few dinks, and a few bumps are nice. I think those are also kind of reminders of the like tactile quality of postcards mm. and the idea that they've been passed between hands. You know, the yes. postman, you, you know, someone that you've shown it to. It's really nice that there's a sort of sense of human presence there. Yeah. I, think. I use postcards as bookmarks. Me and too, so yeah. I, and they get a bit bashed about, and that's lovely. They're lived in and loved. I think that's really important. Each time I start a new book... I like to have a new, a fresh postcard as a bookmark. Yeah, so. I always quite like that ritual of starting a new book and sort of looking through my oh. collection and thinking, what postcard goes with this yes, book? Yes. What relationship can I draw between this weird image and what I think might be? And just about? sometimes and it's you're reading of it to totally, some extent, absolutely. somehow. And sometimes you get the wrong post. I like getting postcards from art galleries, sometimes. and you, you pictures you've enjoyed, mm. and you sort of get you know, a picture of Vanessa Bell, and you think. Well, she won't go with this book. You have to find another one. <laughs> exactly. That's not going to fit at all. You have to find a card that appreciates the book and exactly. a book that appreciates the card. It is a big decision because, you know, that postcard is going to be with you for, you know, the duration of this novel absolutely. that you're going to be reading. Yeah. And it will, as you were saying, colour your reading. So you've got to get it right. You've got it. Yeah, absolutely. So just going back to your underbed archive. <laughs> My underbed I mean, archive. Thank you so much for sharing those. No, and I, and I, I can feel the emotional weight of them. Yeah. How many do you think there are? Oh, several hundred. Wow. In biscuit tins. I can't quite recall. My mother was a user of the biscuit tin as a filing mechanism. I can't. So, as I say, most of them are in tins, biscuit tins. Um, and I haven't So I haven't had the courage to open open the underbed cupboard again. I wonder if you might now that you've uh, I might do. had a good experience it, with I a couple of them. I thought it you've... would be more... I thought 
thought it would be more upsetting than it actually was. It was difficult, but like so many aspects of grieving for someone, it's not the things you think will be upsetting that are actually... Mm. My father was such a jolly person. The idea that I'm here with you today and Michael talking about this, he would just beam and he wouldn't want <laughs> it to be sad. He'd be thrilled. So that that's also very cheerful. Good. And they're happy things. They're happy they're things. Happy they things. were written with love and care and, and, a, and a smile. So... Yes. Oh, well, no, as I say, thank you so much because they're, they're personal things that you hadn't even dared look at. No, I so hadn't. I hadn't. Did it for it us, which been, is great. If it hadn't been for Troilus and Cressida and the M40, I don't think I would have had the courage. <laughs> I, just, I wouldn't have been in such a kind of bleak emotional place to think I'm just going to, nothing else can, I'm just going to open it. Yeah, your resistance was so low. <laughs> it was so low. <laughs> you were crawling on the floor anyway. <laughs> so low. Just got this image now of you crawling around amongst a pile of postcards, <laughs> throwing them up in the air. Yeah, like, <laughs> line, lines of Shakespeare jangling through your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I usually do a, another of the funny cards here, but um, something different this time. In honour of your novel, Michael Hold, um, the action of which takes place in Hernhill, Ballam, Streatham and Brixton, uh, with a memorable scene taking place around uh, Electric Avenue in Brixton. Indeed, yes. I brought this one along uh, for us to look at. So just we'll look at Ooh, that. Oh, look at that. Oh, Wow. Oh, gosh, isn't it quaint looking? <laughs> When's well, that from? I would say there's a date on it, I think. Is it about 1910, something like that, I'm guessing. Is there a date on the postmark? Might be hard to read. It is a bit hard. I'd say it's around, around wow. before the First World War. Yeah, it is. I think it's 09, maybe. Can you describe it for us? So it's a beautiful photograph of Electric Avenue, which is this uh, dramatically kind of curving road that kind of runs through the centre of central Brixton uh, that's got a really famous market on it. And it's all of the lovely shop fronts with their rather beautiful kind of signage. Calligraphy, isn't it? It's lovely. I'm I'm struck by actually how it hasn't changed that much in terms of the shape. No, absolutely. And that's the thing. I I was walking past this very scene just this afternoon and it looks pretty much the same. So it's you know, still got these sort of flats piled above all of these shops. It's still very much a kind of working market at the moment. So it's very recognisable. And I think um, you know, Electric Avenue was, uh, I think the name Electric Avenue was because it was electric. Yes. So it was kind of, it was this absolutely modern place to be at the time. Yeah. It might look old fashioned there, but uh, it was it was the exciting new suburb. Yeah. There's an electric parade near where I live. So yes, obviously electricity just merited lots of street names. Absolutely. Yeah. And it transformed the, transformed the suburbs. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's also something symbolically quite resonant about the name Electric Avenue because it does feel like it's a place full of all sorts of energy and vibrance. Crackling. Um, yeah. And I, I remember a couple of my friends used to live in some of these flats above oh the gosh. market. Oh. And I'd always sort of wonder how on earth would you be able to kind of exist with this constant hubbub of the market noise below? It's but they really exciting. liked it. They loved right. it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast, and my guests today are novelists Michael Doncor and theatre critic Fiona Mountford. 
Now, Michael, what's the second card you have for us today? Okay, so it's another sort of university-themed one. Um, on the front is this uh, still from a Bruce Nauman. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Nauman, Norman. I'm not sure. Um, video. So he's an, uh, a video artist, an artist in lots of different media. Uh, and it's an image of a young man without a top on, uh, sort of spitting a spurt of water out of his mouth and kind of looking quite bemused at, at that. Uh, so a little glimpse of so that. So it's a strange kind of frozen moment, isn't it? Yeah. I think it appealed to me because his expression is quite unreadable. Mm. Um, and as are, as are his hands, they're in this quite he bizarre position. looks like he's up position. against a pane of glass, doesn't he, almost? Yeah, there's something quite dancerly about it mm. that I quite mm. enjoyed. Anyway, so um, I picked this up at the Tate uh, years and years ago and sent it to my now husband, Patrick, uh, in 2007. So to give a bit of kind of clarity and background, I had just finished university in 2007 um, and I just met Patrick and he was two years below me at university. So he was still um, there um, doing his essays and having a, a grand old time and all the rest of it. You were treading slowly into the world. <laughs> exactly. And I was sort of begrudgingly entering the world of work and all the rest of it. You can send him a picture um, of Pompeian penis. I should have done. Oh, there we I? Go. That would have been the right thing to do. Um, so this postcard is one of several, uh, I think I sent him about maybe 30 or 40 during the early period of our courtship, to use that old-fashioned term. Um, and I, I remember them being quite quotidian in the kinds of things that I would say to him. So very much be descriptions of how boring it was starting my first office job uh, and sort of dealing with the lack of glamour and excitement of having to commute every day and all the rest of it. Um, but the thing that's also really striking about this postcard and all the other postcards that I sent Patrick is that he never responded to them. Oh. So uh, even so though... So genuinely one-sided Yeah, very one-sided, very one-sided. And even though we, we sort of spoke on the phone every now and again and I saw him sort of every fortnight, he would never respond with a postcard. And it, this sort of idea that he didn't kind of reply kind of feeds into a kind of... A, a bit of the mythology of our relationship, I guess. We've been together now for 11 years. We recently got married. And one of the sort of origin stories of our relationship is that Michael put in loads of effort at the beginning <laughs> and Patrick just wasn't really that bothered. Um, so, the, I don't know, these postcards hold That a, might be your version of the story. <laughs> <laughs> they hold an interesting place in my heart. But, it, uh, but this is a card from you. Yes, so yeah, yeah. you've now... Re inherited your own so correspondence. Back. He, he did, he did. Yeah. And actually, it's, you know, it's interesting that you say that they matter to him because he sort of arranged all of the postcards that I sent him on his university bedroom wall in this kind of extraordinary mural. Uh, so he was obviously very kind of proud of them and pleased that he had them. Um, enough to display them publicly. And I know that he talked to people that came into his room about all of these postcards that this funny man was sending him from London. But yeah, he never he never decided to reply in any way. I suppose I should read you a little bit of what I've written on if this you want card. To. Uh, Patrick, colon, doesn't this chap have an elegant jawline? <laughs> so interesting, you're referring to the image. <laughs> um, and then I go on to talk about how... Uh, this is so good. Um, I've just discovered Facebook. And then I talk a little bit about, this is very telling, uh, wanting him to email me his... Oh, so I say, I'll email you uh, my new address soon so I can receive three examples of your handwriting so my friends can analyse it. But I never received those three oh, examples oh. of his handwriting. That's why he didn't send the postcards. Mm, perhaps that's why. But it's, I think it's, it's quite a sort of telling little remark about the stage of our relationship because clearly it was right at the beginning and my friends were all fascinated by this person who they'd never met before uh, and wanted some insight into who he was. But you're also, it's a postcard referring to social media. Yes, absolutely. And, and social media, to some extent, has been the death of the postcard. Yeah. So it's a little transitional moment. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that sort of um, conflict, I guess, between the postcard and social media. Because, I don't know, I, I suppose this there's a kind of quaintness about the phrasing of the postcard and sort of some of the stuff that I'm sharing that maybe you wouldn't really put in a kind of social media post now, which might be a bit more arch yes. and a bit more ironic, but this seems a bit more open, I guess. Yeah, but I think there's also playfulness in a postcard yeah. sometimes, actually. Yeah. Certainly in 
since since about the 1980s, I think people tend to be, earlier cards than that, people tend to be very straight about them. Mm-hmm. I think from the 80s, certainly to the 90s, people started to be playful when they realized it was a slightly odd thing to be using. And I just think, and, and maybe just our, our, our modes of discourse more generally are more sort of playful with friends. Yeah. Um, we, I used to see. I see a lot of old cards of people writing to their next door neighbours on a postcard, and they're very, very, you know, dear Mrs. Smith. <laughs> I hope you ha- we've we've come here. I hope you're having a nice time. Blah, blah, blah. Very, very um, yeah. uh, unironic in every sense. And I think we're kind of ironized now. So, and, and certainly students, of course, bathe in irony. You know, that's, that they, <laughs> they eat, eat and drink irony. I went through a phase of really enjoying those postcards that you could buy in lots of British holiday resorts, where they'd have the tick boxes on the front, and they'd be dear you know, friend, family member, auntie, yes. cousin. I am having a good time, bad yeah. time, can't remember. You know that I they used to really make me laugh, and I did send people quite a few of those. <laughs> very, very funny. And you know where they started? I do not. Well, they, they they did start actually a bit earlier, a sort of jokey thing before the First World War. But really, they started with the servicemen in the First World War oh, because you weren't yeah. really allowed to write yes, a message. That's uh-huh. right. So you could say, yes. "I am well," yes. or "My my my injury is recovering." That's yeah. right. Yes. And really, there wasn't even even the boxes you could tick didn't inform. Mm. No. But the important thing was, back home they were receiving something. Yes. They knew you were yes. alive. Yeah. So. Sure. Um, but no, they were a lot of fun, those. They and were. I like that. I am on holiday in you know, Wales, Scotland, can't remember. I just <laughs> but did you still have to write something on the back anyway? Yeah, I would always do the, then the usual oh, kind okay. of paragraphs, but they just the front amused me. Because you could have just written C over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do Keep quite it. like that sort of tick box approach because I think when I was a child, certainly, and I used to send a lot more postcards, so... When we go on our family holidays to Ghana, which we went on, you know, every other year, I'd feel kind of this duty to send a postcard. Yes. It became a bit of an obligation yes. and a bit of a chore in some ways. So actually, having a sort of tick list of yeah. comments <laughs> would have been quite handy. Yes. But I wanted to ask you about about that with um, relatives. You 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 had and have relatives in Ghana. Yes, yeah, I do. So. Is there a kind of postcard relationship going on there? Not really. So my dad, when he was alive, spent sort of six months in Ghana and six months in the UK, and he'd send us these quite elaborate, very detailed um, airmail letters. Uh, on that thin... On that thin paper, yeah. which was, you know, the paper was the envelope, and so yeah. you, know, you kind of write on the little flaps and so on. You have to be careful about opening it. So yes, so you didn't rip anything. Yeah. It's a very kind of... I remember it being quite a ceremonial mm. thing, receiving those letters from my dad, and we'd all kind of sit around and unpick these envelopes very kind of sensitively and carefully. Um, but postco- postcards, not so much, really. I don't know if it's because... I suppose in some ways there's something frivolous about a postcard. There's something kind of leisurely and, oh gosh, I'm having a nice holiday time. Yeah, yeah whereas and the more you were visiting. Exactly, exactly. Right. Serious business of Serious visiting relatives. Business. Absolutely. It was, it was very much a, a job, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a vocation. <laughs> well, very good. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing such a personal card with us, Michael. That's very interesting. Fiona, what's the final card you have for us? Well, the final card... Uh, is well it's a picture it's a very beautiful watercolor slightly it's a slightly sepia tones and it's of the acropolis the big um, card that it, yes athens sort of the large acropolis large european size watercolor and it's a picture from of the acropolis in athens from 1843 and it's a postcard from bob who I mentioned earlier, my old classics teacher from school, who's a good friend of mine. So the man you still send cards to? Yes, indeed, because Bob is a great postcard writer. And he travels in classical lands almost uh, exclusively. And he, um, if he listens to this, he'll be horrified to hear that actually he slightly overestimates how much I remember about the classical world, but I don't ever want to tell him this and disabuse all those switch years. Switch off now, Bob. Yeah, switch off now, Bob, please. Um, all those years. Bob. So Bob was my classics teacher at school. I was the only one who did Greek A-level. I was one of the youngest in my year, so I used to have triple Greek on my own. And Bob and I are very good friends. And so he's a great postcard writer. And so I have many postcards from him. I keep them. They're, they're special to me. He's also, he's got beautiful handwriting. I'm just noticing that. Incredibly clear. It's clear. It's quite unusual for a teacher, It actually. is. It's very clear, but it, it's slightly swir- It's very clear, but slightly swirly. And it, it's, it's the writing that suggests, I think, real effort and thought. Mm. There's a man who, who puts, who really doesn't, 
you know, puts some puts effort into things. It's very and elegant. It's lovely writing. So I've always, always admired it. So from exercise books and essays at school and now on postcards, it's beautiful writing. And what um, sort of thing does he say in his, his Well, postcards? there is, I think we'll be glad to know, there's a joke. It's a classical world joke in there. So he's in Athens. He's researching a book. And he is staying at the British school in Athens. And he says, although the accommodation in the British school is quite Spartan, uh-huh. oh, bracket, sorry, exclamation mark, <laughs> it's a very congenial base. And so he, he detailed and he writes it very, he doesn't just, it's not just I'm on holiday, how are you? It's detailed, it's detailed information. He's telling me about Athens. So this is 2005. So Athens post-Olympics, he's telling me about the changes he sees in Athens. And I get many postcards from him and they, they're quite, they're analytical. He's really, he's going to tell you what he's doing and it's interesting. It's not mm. just dashed off. And the handwriting, I think... I don't really. I, I admire handwriting. My handwriting is ever is an ever collapsing thing. I find handwriting ever harder. So I admire people who manage good handwriting, which Bob does. And my father, who wrote in fountain pen, Bob writes in biro. But they're two just looking at the writing without the words. That the, the writing is beautiful, and I admire that. And I think fewer and fewer people manage that now. So. So yes. So this is one of many postcards over the years from Bob and. He he was the, he's the one friend who regularly sends me postcards. I, I don't really get postcards from anybody else, which is terribly sad. It's funny that you say that thing about handwriting and admiring beautiful script. Because uh, in my other job, I'm a secondary school teacher, and I teach at a girls' school. And particularly the younger girls are very very keen on having the most elaborate and beautiful oh. script. Right. And they spend so much time making sure that every letter is perfectly formed. And do they dot do the circles over the eyes? They eye? don't do oh, the circles do over the eyes. Okay. I often find that circles over eyes or hearts over eyes is a sign of a very, very troubled, yes. troubled mind, yes. I think. Yes. Very quick to kind of nip that in the bud. Yes. But I often you're never very... going to write a long essay that way, are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm often quite sort of saddened by the fact that I'll be presented with these beautifully written stories and essays and so on. And then I'll kind of scrawl my teacher yeah. comments at the end. Very good, good effort, exclamation mark, or whatever. And but it's is so horrid. Good, it's really good. It? It's really That's, beautiful. Is that That's because good. because is that going to is that are they going to stick with that? Do you think? Is that is that the basically is there a revival of good handwriting? I, Where is the fountain pen now? I think that's. A, I think they 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 want to at the beginning of their school careers impress everyone with every aspect of their being, right? And so hand, handwriting is just one of those um, things. Because calligraphy is kind of quite popular on things like YouTube, yeah, and it's, it is. It's, it's quite a thing, and I, yeah. I think probably mainly with girls. Yeah, I think as they get older, they become less bothered with handwriting, and less, right. Um, the texting function kicks in. Absolutely, yeah. Because I do write in fountain pen, and so I, I don't partic- I'm not a fan of writing in biro, but obviously I don't take my fountain pen on holiday with me. Um, but so I, I admire my, I admire the fact that my father travelled with a fountain pen. I just, I find that very admirable. But Bob, Bob writes in biro, but it, it's elegantly written biro. So well, I think Bob has made a good choice there because I mean I, I try and write in a fountain pen whenever I can. But increasingly, particularly cards like that, European cards, they have a bit of a gloss on them. Smudge. Yes. And your fountain pen oh, will just go. Every, my, yeah. I smudge my writing anyway. I write quite badly in that way but if it's the slightest bit shiny and glossy yes, the, the ink hopeless. sort of jumps off it it yeah. doesn't stay yeah so by pulls in quite weird ways yes, it find. does and like little sort of blood spots yes no so so the, the card of electric avenue from which i can now see was from 2000 and sorry from 1906 um written in pencil in pencil oh. yeah. but look at the copper plate of the address miss mm. Less, less impressive the message. Yeah, I can't read <laughs> Don't worry about They've the message. They've written the address in pen, though. Yes, I think... Miss Hale. A child has been has written the message Look in pencil. Look at I love that. all the sort of grand loops and curves of the writing. Oh, I'd love so to have sweet. handwriting like that. That's so gorgeous. That's, that's an evening class you should start to, to, to teach, actually. Um, not just good handwriting, not just calligraphy. But Edwardian writing, oh, Edwardian. I reckon it would do I, very I, well. There'd be a market, you know. I but we have peculiarly bad writing in England. I... Uh, lived and studied in Italy for a while and everyone in Italy writes much much more elegantly they are taught how to write and they have much more of a uniform hand mm. and they are taught still how to do it and I think that's that's seen as a bit over too, too much control here but people's writing is on the whole pretty shabby so I think it's a loss so I think postcards just seeing how people write I was thinking about writing actually and I've got very 
very, very close friends. It's interesting your, your friends wanted to, to see Patrick's uh, handwriting mm. to do some character analysis. I was thinking, I've got a very, very good friend who is incredibly dear to me. And I was thinking the other day, I have no idea how he writes. Oh. I was thinking about this a while ago. Perhaps you changed your opinion. I, I remember... Yeah, how odd. When you're at school with your friends, you necessarily see their handwriting in you all do. sorts of ways because yes. of notebooks and passing notes and all the rest of it. But as you become older, that kind of disappears. It does. And actually, I think sometimes having an understanding of your friend's handwriting, if this doesn't sound too grand, does give you a bit of an insight oh, into who they are. Even them, the definitely. very fact that they might not care very much about the neatness of their handwriting yes. is quite illustrative about who they are. But I could not tell you what my friend's handwriting <laughs> looks no. like now. It's, it's, it's disconcerting, isn't it? When I'm going through a big box of postcards, as I do very often I'm just going through them and I'm looking at the message first not the not the pictures I look and look and, look, and very, every so often one, I'll be arrested by one because the writing looks like my father's or my mother's okay yes yes it isn't this is a complete stranger yes but it's just something oh hang on and it's like seeing a face in the crowd yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's very strange it actually has quite a powerful um, recognition in you, you yeah. kind of, there's it, something, it does something lovely about I don't know about you Michael but I don't really get handwritten post very often, an no. envelope that's handwritten. So when you do, it's so exciting, and especially now coming up to Christmas and so on. And I love, or birthdays, and you get envelopes. And I love looking at the card and thinking, oh, that's from David and Dorian, or that's from Bob, and you know or exactly whatever. Who it's you from, do, don't you? you yeah. absolutely yeah. do. And there's something really reassuring about that. Very good. Well, look, thank you both so much for sharing these cards. It's been very Welcome. interesting oh, been and, and generous. Um, another quick reminder for everyone at home images of all these cards including the one from Pompeii, um, <laughs> will be well, on a special page of the blog, um, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, um, including actually this next one, uh, which is the last one of the at-past postcard style, um, which you'll be familiar with from Twitter and from the book. <laughs> this one is Lulworth Cove, uh, which uh-huh. is in Dorset, I think. Yep. Um, lovely picture, rather unlikely uh, sky. Very blue uh, sea as well. Look yeah. at the golden glow to the whole thing. There yeah, is. the glow of nostalgia. <laughs> um, 1969. There you are, July 1969. Um, and the message I found um, unlikely. It says, um, went shopping yesterday. Got walnuts. <laughs> One and eight for a quarter pound. I just thought of... Why would you want me to share this? I mean, were walnuts such a... I mean, I don't know. It wasn't alive then. Were they such a delicacy in 1969? And also, was the price that critical? (laughs) Well, I don't... I mean, really. Got delicious walnuts? Maybe. I was thinking about what you might make with the pig and the walnuts. (laughs) (laughs) A delicious walnut soup with pig. (laughs) Maybe this is very important, but I'm in a way, I think, is this saying, is that the best you can say about your holiday, about the price of walnuts? Yeah. Yeah, the price of walnuts. <laughs> there you go. It says it all. <laughs> now, before we let uh, Fiona and Michael back out of the palace of postcards mm-hmm. into some rather grey London weather, uh, I've got one more card for you both to have a look at. Mm. It's customary for us to end on one of these. Mm. I don't know if either of you have seen enormous. one of these before. Oh, look at this. the record post. Oh, look at La Carta. I've never seen one of La Cartolina Cicanta. Ah, now that we have an Italian expert with us, so <laughs> well, t- talk us through it, please, Fiona. Well, it says the postcard that sings. Siuda come un normale disco. So it's like a, it's a normal that record at 78 RPM. Do you recognise the picture? <sighs> I don't, no. actually. Give us a clue. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a clue on the back. There's a clue on the back. <laughs> Torino. It's the medieval castle in Turin. Of course. <laughs> there we go. I love that kind of multi-purpose thing of this, that you get, you know, postcard and record. How does it not get damaged? Does it not get scratched in the post? Well, I think some people would send them in envelopes. Oh, ah. there we go. That's but, the postcard and the envelope but, thing. But not all of them, because there's a, there's a, if you look on the back, they suggest you put the address there, they, you put the stamp there. This one hasn't been sent. I guess it was just bought as a souvenir. This is an actual thing. When did they stop? I've never seen... I've heard of them. I've never seen them. When did they stop doing... I guess when people stopped home record players. Oh, I think I think before that, actually. I'm also enjoying the very elegantly crenellated Oh, it's got the decor, has it? Yes. Very nice. What a funny little thing. thing. (laughs) Well, David's been keeping an eye on us next door, and um, if we ask him very nicely, he might be able to do something with this so we can actually get a chance to hear... Oh, wow. ...a singing postcard. That's amazing. Oh. 
Oh, it's a bit jumpy. What's that rhythm? Shoulder the guy. It's a medieval Italian samba. What's the connection between the medieval castle and this particular song? I wonder. What's the message between the picture and the message? Ah. You know, I think sometimes <laughs> these things just come together. Can you can you translate? Oh, have you got the card again? Oh, is it? It's on the machine. Oh, it's on the machine. <laughs> it's, it's about Italian. being. Yeah, it's about being who married you. Oh. Yeah. They didn't have this sort of thing when I went to Turin. I went to Turin on a day trip to see Arsenal away game against Juve. They wouldn't have sung that then. I saw the Turin shroud, an Arsenal match, but I didn't get a postcard like this. I think this Missed is. Out. I know. This is more like the San Remo Song Festival, I think. Oh, San Remo. Well, as the medieval castle spins around, spinning and never stopping, that's <laughs> it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts. Michael Donker and Fiona Mountford, thank you both. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.